everybody. Welcome to another episode of What's Brewing. I'm your host, Chris Nozick, joined again by my very fantastic co-host, Mr. Dominic Tiano, the legendary Dom Tiano. Uh, Dom, how you been? How you doing? It seems like forever ago we were talking about the above Batman 500 road trip. And and now we have some captioned nanaganery that we have to discuss about what this Bruins team is doing to uh, stay cat compliant. Well, you know, there's a storm brewing outside and there's a storm brewing in here, too. So um, <laughs> I, I want to start with a bunch of uh, hate mail I've been getting today. So um, let's start with that then, because there's plenty to go over. But let's oh, the hate mail that you're getting. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of it. So yesterday I wrote an article explaining the moves the Bruins made and what that means to the Bruins cap situation. And I've been getting mail, emails, tweets, all sorts of things saying the Bruins cannot bank cap space while they're on long-term injury reserve. No, incorrect. Okay. And you people know who you are. You can go to cap friendly. You can go to Puckpedia they're two fabulous sides. Or if you don't want to visit them, there's this great thing called Google. <laughs> and I, I said, you can also, you can use that Google thing to find NHL rule book. Yes. <laughs> so that this is where I'm going to start. What I said was the Bruins need to get below a certain number to start banking cap space. Long-term injuries reserve has nothing to do with it. You can bank cap space and still be on LTIR. You cannot bank cap space if you are using LTIR. There's a big difference. And I'm going to explain it to you. I know we talked about it on the last show but I'm going to explain it one more time. I'm sure it won't be the last. And I'm sorry for the people who don't, who, who understand it and have to continue to hear about it, but you do such a great job of it. So please it's, go ahead. it's pretty simple. When the Boston Bruins placed Milan Lucic on LTIR, they had a cap hit of $83,000. Four hundred eighteen dollars or four hundred eighteen thousand. Sorry, eighty-three million four hundred eighteen thousand five hundred and three dollars. That was their cap hit. They placed Milan Lucic on LTIR because of prorating. You can add nine hundred eighteen thousand. to to that. That is their upper cap limit now. And if they go above that $83,418,503, they are then using long-term injury reserve. If they are below the $83,418,503, Five hundred three dollars. They are banking cap space. They are not using LTIR. 
That makes sense to me <laughs> and to some out there. Now, and, and, and to be clear, I just want to make sure we have that number correct. That was 80, $83,513,000. Sorry, $83,418,503. Okay. <coughs> That's their magic number. As That's their as, magic magic number. Their cap only Milan Lucic is on LTIR. Is that correct? That's correct. Their Perfect. cap hit today is eighty four thousand, or sorry, eighty four million one hundred and twenty five thousand seven hundred and seventeen dollars. That's their cap hit today, which means, which means. They only have to clear six hundred and twenty-five thousand seven hundred and seventeen. I'm doing this in my head to get to that threshold where they start banking cap space. This was what the whole thing why I wrote it up. If maybe my math, so do the math real quick. I'm pulling up a calculator right now so I can pull that. Pull that up here. So today they are at 84,125,717. And they need to get below 83,418,518,503. So that's 707,214 that they need to clear. Okay. That's what they need to clear to start. I'm sorry. 707,215. They have to be under the number. Yeah. By a dollar. That's so we have to add that dollar in. It's two fifty, two fourteen. Right. So this was the whole thing with the Johnny Beecher and and Mason Lorai that I wrote up because what the Bruins did is they took Parker Watherspoon uh, off emergency recall and moved him to regular recall. Which they were going to have to do anyway because he played those nine games, correct? Yeah, he has to play 10 games. It's the 10th game. Okay. The 10th well, game. Okay. He's playing well enough that they weren't exactly going to hold him out of the lineup because they want him to get the time. But the last thing they want to do is become uncompliant. So when they have other options, they can use – they can, they don't they don't want to push their luck, essentially, on an emergency recall. It's not worth it. Right. You, you don't want to. So – the way I wrote it up is now that leaves the Bruins with nobody waiver exempt because as a regular recall, Parker Waterspoon has played in 10 games since he cleared waivers back, I think was October 6th. He's played more than 10. Yes. Not counting, not counting the games he was on a, an emergency recall. Okay, so the minute they flipped him over, he now has to clear waivers. The Bruins have a 22-man roster, and they've got nobody they can send down to get below that limit and bank cap space. Yeah, because Watherspoon has played 17 total games. <clears throat> right. So the Bruins' only option now... To, to clear any amount of cap space and start banking is to make a trade. Now, you said that 
the only one that um, not having to clear waivers was Beecher and Lori. Right. Now, they don't, as of right now, as of today, we are recording this before the game on Monday. Uh, Jesper Boquist can still go down and not have to worry about waivers, correct? No, I believe he's had his 30 game or 30 days on the roster, has he not? I don't believe so because they only called him up about two weeks ago. Yeah, but wasn't he trip? Wasn't he called up before? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, let me just take a look. Uh, let's see. He he has 10 games played total. Let me see. His last five games have been the 11th, 13th, 15th, 18th, and 20th all of January. Let me see if I can go to more of his game log here. Go, so, go, go to Cap Friendly. Yep. Okay, to the Bruins. Yep. Uh, click on... Um, Oh, they have, they have the recalls and reassignments here. Yeah. So let's find Boquist. I believe he was, he was October 24th. January 6th and December 17th, he was sent to the minors. December 12th, he was called up. Well, just go to the waivers. When did he, when did he get placed on waivers? I believe it was October 24th, was it? Oh, no, he would have been before the season two, October 6th. Yeah, he was October 7th. He was placed October on- 7th. He cleared on the 8th, and then that's So it. he's played 10 games, so he needs waivers. Okay. So do you think that means that Beecher stays down there barring uh, uh, an injury? Definitely. Barring injury, they're not going to risk putting anybody on waivers right now. <clears throat> so the 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 whole point is they've got nobody. We've seen Evan Gold do this over the last couple of years a lot when they've been in LTIR, is to send players down in paper transactions to get below the threshold and bank some cap space. And right now they can't bank cap space because they are they they don't have enough or no yeah they still have to clear seven hundred grand right so they're not banking cap space right now they have to make a move in order to do that yeah and right now there's I mean you got thirteen forwards seven defensemen two goaltenders and one guy on LTIR there's not much that you can do with that no there there now so. When when fans start talking trades, any trade the Bruins make is money in, money out. It's as simple as that. Um, I, I see everybody saying, let's go after Lindholm, Elias Lindholm. How are you going to fit Elias Lindholm in? Let's go get Hannafin. How are you going to fit Hannafin in? Like, yeah, money- who are you- it, it has to be even money. The Bruins got no money to play with. The only other option you have is to send money out and have lesser money come in. <laughs> right. You you need to trade for a Parker Watherspoon is what you're is what you essentially have to do. You have to go find yeah. another one of him and 
trade for him. Now, there aren't very many Parker Watherspoons out there playing the way that he is. No. Now, that's also where you sit there and go, do we need a forward more or do we need a defenseman more? What do we need more if we're only going to – because that means you have one bullet in the gun. You have one bullet. Exactly. Now, Exactly. And the target is so small, you're not going to hit it. Right. Now, you and I talked about it last show. I I don't really want them to do anything. I want them, first off, to stay healthy. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at it right now, you have seven defensemen. That's really what you want. You have McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Grizzly, Forbort, Shattenkirk, and Watherspoon. You have solid depth right there at the NHL level. And, oh, by the way, you already know what you have down in the minors. You have Lori who you can call up. And, you know, you're getting guys like Mitchell, Regula, Renouf, Walsh. Those guys are getting minutes down there. Yep. And so if you end up having to go 12, 13, 14, 15 deep in the playoffs on your defense, you want those guys to have had the minutes. I'm not exactly. that Lori's down. I'd rather see Mason Lori get 20 minutes a night down in Providence than 12 up here when I have those other seven defensemen available. Exactly. Exactly. And in every situation, like he scored right. the game winning goal last night. Did you see it? That was filthy. Yeah. That was filthy. I hadn't had a chance to watch it when Andrew and I were, were recording uh, Puck Off, but I went, I saw it this morning and holy shit. I want him practicing that stuff down there. I want him gaining confidence to try it in the NHL. Exactly. (laughs) It's, look, Mason Lorai, the the biggest thing Mason Lorai has to learn is how to deal with the pressures of the forecheck. That's it. And, and he'll get a lot more of that pressure with the extra eight minutes he's playing in Providence. Exactly. Now, I, I also look at it because I know people are going to worry and, and freak out, but, like, I don't mind a fourth line with Lauko and Boquist on it with Steen. I know I know Lauko's playing a little up in the lineup, playing more with Geeky on the third line. I don't hate that either. And he's been playing well. Yeah. I mean, I know he just got his first goal a couple nights ago, but – or first goal of the season, but it, it he's not hurting them. No. And at this point, all you can ask for is the, the, the 22 men on the roster are not hurting you. That's all you can ask for. Right. And, and honestly, I also see it as a good opportunity for Beecher to go down to Providence and find his offensive game because he, I mean, Right now, he's played 39 games, has seven points. He's a minus six. He he does, you know, he's 53.9, so we'll call it 54% on the faceoff dot at the NHL level. This gives him an opportunity to go down and play in all scenarios as well. Scored last night. What do you know? Beecher and Lori, the two who were sent down, scored the tying and winning goals. Yeah. That's not them down there pouting. No. And, no. and if anything... I, I want to see those guys down there because I want to see how that affects a guy like Fabian Lacell. Exactly. Because yeah. he looks at a guy like Mason Lori is a great example. 
John Beecher is a better example because he made the team coming out of camp. If he sees them come down and pouts and wilt and that sort of stuff, well, then that seems like what he would follow suit to do. But if they come down and they do what they did last night and they say, no, like, yeah, it sucks. We're, we're in Providence. We're not in the a, in the NHL. But the 20 guys up there right now, the 22 guys up there right now are doing a hell of a job. We need to outperform them. Then that's what he's going to grind his teeth and do. Exactly. Exactly. I, it, it, not just Lysel. It goes up and down the yeah, line. For sure. For sure. I, I'm picking on Lysel because he's the one that everyone, you know, you know, had the issues with the four, you know, one on fours and, you know, hero puck, yeah. all that stuff. That All of a sudden, and people wanted to reward him with a recall up to the national. Yeah. Which I don't ever, I don't understand that thought process, but what you have right now, I, I don't, you have 20, what we say, 22 guys up at the top and none of them can go through waivers. So as soon as someone gets hurt, you're calling somebody up anyway. It, mm-hmm. It's not like you don't have options when that happens. What they need to do is they need to make themselves the first option. If a forward goes down, depending if it's a middle six forward, let's say it's um, geeky again. Let's say geeky goes down. Why can't it be? Farinacci who gets the call as opposed to John Beecher. Why can't it be Trevor Kuntar? It, it could be. It all depends on how they're playing. It's the attitude that Beecher yeah. and Lori bring down to Providence with them to sit there and say, listen, obviously we're the favorites to go back up. If it's defensive, it's forwards. Like they're right now, they don't even have to walk in the room and say it, but everybody looks at him and goes, okay, they're on the bubble but I can burst that bubble. Right. I can force their hand, you know, and everybody wants to know, this is why this exact reason is why you have Patrick Brown on your roster. Because exactly. If, if exactly. You need, if you need to call someone up for, I don't know, a week for three weeks, just long enough that you might need someone in the lineup to, withhold an injury uh Patrick Brown's the guy that's going to be the first call up because it, it whatever the term is he if, if you lose Patrick Brown to waivers no one's crying right if you lose Trevor Kuntar to waivers if you lose or, or let's say Jesper Boquist to waivers I'm not saying you're crying but that hurts you a hell of a lot more than Patrick Brown being taken right. off of waivers right and we just and we just saw Spencer Martin get taken off of waivers by Carolina. Teams are looking at that waiver wire now. And believe you me, if Parker Waterspoon hits the waiver wire, you you don't think a guy making 750K or whatever it is, that that's not somebody that a team like the Leafs with a bad blue line can't absorb and won't absorb. Oh no, for sure. hundred percent. He's not getting through. And, and I would even look at it and say, if you just look at the last five games for, for Boquist, I don't think he would get through. You've won four of those games for starters. Yeah. So he's not hurting you. He has, uh, let's see, two assists in those five games. He's a plus two player in those five games. His time on ice is a little bit low, but he's a fourth line 
you know, tweener, third line kind of guy for you. But you know what? He's, you know, 50% at the dot twice, 67% at the dot once, 0% on a day he took one draw, and 100% on a day he took one draw. So, like, he's not hurting you or crushing you at the center dot either. No, no. I, like, I've had no problem with the way he's played and and filled in. Five if you're inches, asking me, inches, like, if you're asking me to pick between Beecher and Boquist, um, I'd honestly have a hard time. I would say it, you you have to put that asterisk next to it, though, of Boquist needs to clear waivers. Beecher doesn't. Because right. I, there was, but but uh, assuming everything is equal, oh yeah, on the bit on the business side, I'd have a hard time choosing right now. I know everybody's going to say, "Dom, you're nuts." It's Beecher all the way, but it's, well, it's not Beecher all the way. But it's not as clear. And and the advantage that Boquist gives you is he can play both wing positions, right? So if something happens mid game. I mean, we saw Jesper Boquist play on the top line left wing. You can't do that with Johnny Beecher. Um, you could. I mean, I don't. You could, but who do you have more confidence in putting up next? Ig- to Ig- exactly. Or was I- it Zeke and Zaka or Zeke and Pot? I don't even remember who it was up there. But it was. Point is, is you have a lot more confidence in Jesper Boquist yeah. on that spot than you do John Beecher. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Totally agree. And I know you mentioned um, getting some hate mail and and whatnot, but, you know, I I saw someone the other day complaining about, like, just the the waiver exposure and all this other stuff, but they're doing exactly what they need to. They need to manage the players as the assets that they are, to your point. All things being equal, they might be making different decisions, but they're not. You right. have to, you have to look at each thing, and the moves that they're going to make right now are just going to make it so that they don't lose out on. Like I'm surprised that they ended up with that Merkulov call up, but at the same time, we can look at it and go, okay, it was what six or seven games, five games, small handful of games. We know where he's at now at the NHL level. That should not crush his development or the need for waivers next year. If those five games are the reason next year that you can't get under the cap, that's a problem. And and that's not how that's not Evan Gold's track record. No, it's not. But uh to to go back to to your point now competitiveness within. That's a big thing with the Bruins. Yes. Okay. Jesper Bolquist right now knows that if I'm not busting my ass and giving a hundred percent that Johnny Beecher is coming right back up and I'm going on waivers and might end up in Anaheim, let's say. I mean, okay? you look at the waiver wire, it, it, it's you look at the reverse standings because that's the waiver wire, the way that it works. I mean, you could end you he could end up anywhere. Anywhere, you could end up in right. But let let's say he he's going to be busting his balls because he knows Beecher is right there. On the same hand, Johnny Beecher is going to be thinking, "Hey, I'm this close. 
I got to go out and work harder. I've got to learn how to do, do this. I got to learn how to do that. This is competitiveness within that the Bruins keep talking about. Okay. So wave Jesper Bolquist and somebody picks him up. Or wave Parker Watherspoon and somebody picks him up. Who have you got pushing the guys in their place now? You've lost that depth. You've lost that competitiveness. And this isn't the end-all, be-all, because at some point the rosters will, will expand when you get to the playoffs. The cap becomes no issue at all. Right. And at that point, yeah, you have Lorai up here. I'm sorry, he's not playing Providence playoffs. He's playing big league playoffs. Actually, yeah. uh, just a correction, Chris. There is no roster limit after trade deadline. No, there you go. So you can carry 26 players as long as you, if you've got the cap room. The cap room, that's the big part. I I meant, like, obviously going into the playoffs, you know, and and maybe there's a way they can, you know, clear some cap. And I I just, as we've talked about, I, I, I know everyone's sitting there saying trade this person, trade that person. I just don't see where the main value is off of the main roster. And obviously you don't want to trade away the depth. You're not trying to trade away a Wather Spooner, a guy like that. That's why you and I keep coming back to Brandon Bussey. Exactly. That's, but that's not going to clear the many cap space. It won't clear many cap space, but it might, it just might be able to move them back into a decent draft position because it, I mean, Andrew and I talked about it heavily last night, the goaltending trade market you could be the savior for some team if you offer up Brandon Bussey for a second-round pick. Maybe even a first. If it's a late first, if it's a playoff-bound team who's going to be picking 24 or later, you might be able to squeeze a first-round pick out of them. Yep. Because your goaltender, Brandon Bussey, only makes $775,000. He's going to be an an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season and free to go wherever he wants. No, Bussy, Bussy will be a restricted. Oh no, he'll be restricted. I'm sorry, but the point being, you also have Swayman who you need to resign. Yeah, and, and another year, Allmark is up. So within the next two years after this, when you're going to lose one of those guys, guaranteed. Yeah, pretty much. Whereas if you look at everybody else on the trade block whose names have been mentioned as possibly available, the next cheapest ones, you're talking Connor Ingram from Arizona at 1.95 million. You're talking Dan Vladar at 2.2 million, who's got two years under on him. Oh, Connor Ingram, by the way, has this year and two more. So even if you're going to try and trade for arguably the hottest goaltender to start the season, in Connor Ingram, you're paying the price for him today plus the next two years. Yeah. And you're paying extra because his cap hit is so low. Exactly. So would you rather pay for that or would you rather pay for Brandon Bussey? Obviously, it depends on what team you are. Yeah, but I think I'd rather pay for, for Ingram. Again, depends on what team you are. Yeah. And that's to say, is Arizona even going to give them up? I know they have strong goaltending depth in their system, but, 
you know, most of those guys are at least a year away. Yeah, so you you need that placeholder. Uh, you and I have talked about this several times. And let's go back to your comment, or both of us commented on having to move cap space out. Because they can't do anything unless they move cap space out. I, th- I think you and I in, are in agreement. All Mark is not going anywhere. No, he's the backbone of what they do. Yeah. It, this season, he's not going anywhere. The off season, maybe the Bruins might be convinced. Um, but the other name everybody keeps going back to is Matt Grizzlick. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the teams that can absorb Matt Grizzlick's cap hit, you're talking basically teams that have no use for him. Yep. In other words, you're paying them to take them. Yeah, you're you're pinning another draft pick yeah. and sending yeah. someone else out the door, a la um, David Backus. Exactly. 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 Now, so, here's my counter. My question to that: Yeah, you could do that. You could pin. You could pin a next year's second round draft pick to Grizzly and have plenty of suitors for him all of a sudden. Everybody's now, you got hungry, hungry hippos out there looking for Matt Grizzly now. Yeah. But what does that do for you now? Okay, great. It gets Mason Lorai in the lineup. Now you still have Wallerspoon as your seventh defenseman. Who's your eighth guy? Who's your ninth guy? Exactly. Yeah, like you're, you're way down the depth chart then. Like, okay, Q. Regula, Q and Mitchell, like those guys are now going to have to all of a sudden be the break glass of in case of emergency guys. Yeah, they're still there, but they're one rung further down the ladder. If you keep Matt Grizzly is a, a third round draft pick this season or second round draft pick, let's say this year worth plus a few extra million bucks. Oh no. The, the intent would be to bring somebody else back with him. Oh, who? Right. So, <laughs> Let me me answer that this way, Chris. Let's say the playoffs started today. Yep. Tonight, in an hour, against, well, it won't be Winnipeg, but let's say the playoffs started tonight. Give me your starting six defensemen. My starting six defensemen uh, would, would probably be He's picked it up as of late right now. Game one, I would probably go Grizz, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and then Watherspoon and Shattenkirk. Game one. Okay. I reserve the right to tinker with that going into game two. Okay, so let's say game two. You had- you had four you had four bird out, right? Yep. Okay, all of a sudden you're PK was bad in game one. You need Forbert in for the PK in game two. Who are you taking out? Everything uh, else is equal. I would probably take out Grizzly and put Forbert in at that point. Again, who's my opponent? That That's going to play into it too, because last year against Florida, Grizzly saw the bench. Well, right now it would be Tampa. Right now it would be Tampa, so I'd probably go with Forbert to start and keep Grizzly on the bench just because I want to see how that goes and see – what kind of matchup it's going to be? Do I need the puck mover or can I get away with the speed, the the size of a four board in the lineup? 
Oh, actually, it would be Detroit. Detroit? Right? Oh, yeah. then probably Grizz. But see, but see, my my point is, is you had that option. Now, right. I, I want to ask this. No, no, let me make my point first. You go ahead first. If Grizz is one of your first two defensemen, you're talking about scratching in the playoffs. What do you need him for the next 40 games? I depth depth going into the playoffs because if something happens game one, let's say we go out there with the lineup I gave you, right? McAvoy blows his knee. He's done. Well, now I'm pulling floorboard off the bench and I'm putting Watherspoon on his offside. I'm shifting Carlo up and Shattenkirk up and I still have Lori that I can play. In fact, I might even put Lori in over Grizzlick. Just because of the size matchup. But everything changes based off of an injury because if, if you know, Carlo goes down. This is why I want to ask you my question, a, a thought that I was having the other night. What would you think of a shutdown pair of Watherspoon and Carlo? Are you putting Lindholm with McAvoy and Forbert no. with Shattenkirk? Yes. Now, you know my, what? I wouldn't mind it because my, Carlo could move the puck. My only caveat to that would be, again, depending on the opponent, if you need to, if you need a better puck mover in there, you could do Lori with Shattenkirk. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be fine with that. I, w- I would like it better than Grizzlick, Carlo. Sure, for sure. I, I think Grizzlick. You're going to get the most out of him if he's with McAvoy. But even that, ha- even that hasn't worked like it has in the in years gone by. And, that, and that's the catch. And that's the catch. And that's where I wonder if you can find a partner to make that quote-unquote hockey trade, if you will. You know, and th- so we look at Grizzlick. And we go, yeah, he's the odd man out. To your point, what do you need him for for the next 40 games? Okay, I'll bite. All right? Forboard. If you were to do, if you were to find a trade partner who is trying to get rid of somebody, trying to move someone off of their roster to gain a little bit more flexibility going into next year and the year after, all right? And you needed to put Forboard and Grizzly together to make the money work but you could bring in a higher paid defenseman. Would you do it? Is it a left shot defenseman we're bringing in? Unfortunately, no. Then I wouldn't do it. Okay. Would not. Now, if it is a left shot defenseman, would you do it? It would all depend on the defenseman. Fair. But it it can't be a right shot defenseman because I've got my three right shot defensemen. Well, and that's and that's kind of where the catch is, is a lot of people aren't even paying attention to left or right. Well, that's true. They're not. And, and, and that's why I love that you asked that question, because so many people, you know, the reason why I posed it the way I did is because you've got St. Louis actively shopping Colton Pareko. You could fit that seven million or the six and a half under your cap if you did Grizz and Carla or Grizz and um, Forbort in that deal. But and Pareko's a hell of a defenseman but he's a right shot. 
And so yeah. now, and, and and so now, what's the purpose in doing it? There isn't one. There isn't because yeah, obviously he would take Shattenkirk's place, but who's taking Grizzlick and Forbert's place? And uh, don't tell me Lorai and Waterspoon. Right. 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 And like I, I could, I could handle Lorai and Waterspoon in there if Forbert or Grizzlick were still on the roster. And, and honestly, I would take Forbert before Grizzlick. Yeah, I think I agree with that statement. I, I think there's going to be some movement. Now, what I would look to do is see if you're going to try and make a move of that type. You know, the, the kind of guys that you're going to have to look for are going to be like a Marco Scandella out of St. Louis. Yeah. Now he adds adds to the left side, but what that also does is that also guarantees Laura is not in the lineup right away. Um. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Do you think a guy like Scandella could be had for, say, a Grizzlick and a prospect? Well, that's unfair because I know. I know for a fact that St. Louis has had interest in Grizzlick in the past. Now, that was before Tory Krug got there. Fair. And and now they're saddled with the Krug contract. Yeah. So are they going to say, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you? Right, because um, St. Louis... Yeah, I like I don't think they'd be interested in just acquiring him for this season if they got no intention of re-signing him. That it, why would they re-sign him when they already have Tory Krug? Exactly. I mean, you beat those two guys in in 2019 for the Stanley Cup. Now, who's who what what are some of the teams just aside from what they already have, but who are some of the teams that you look at and go, okay, they could use Matt Grizzlick cup contender or not. You can forget the non cup contenders. You can forget the non playoff teams. Um, because why would they have interest? The only interest they would have, if there's a prospect or a pick attached to them, that, they can use and take on the cap hit. Why else would they want them? Why would Anaheim want them? Why would St. Louis want them? Why would Chicago want them? Anaheim already has a plethora of young defensemen. Like, right. But I mean, it's just throwing out a team with cap space. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's, there's teams. I, that's where I sit there and I go, I don't, I don't know because you could pick up the phone and call, for instance, Washington. They're kind of on the cusp of the playoff line. They're fighting for a wild card spot, but what is he going to do for them? He doesn't exactly solidify the left side. They've no. got Fairvy, they've got Edmondson and they've got Alexiev. Yeah, he helps, but it's not like, it, it's not like you're bringing in, a, a, a rock solid 
defensive defenseman or, you know, a rock-solid puck mover who's two-way. Like Washington's got to look at it like this. If I'm acquiring him, is he going to be the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs? Right. And the answer is no. And, oh, by the way, their roster is already maxed out at 23. Right. They they have no interest in in, in Matt Grislick. Why would they? They shouldn't. No. You've got to be looking at real playoff contenders. I'm just trying to run through the list here. I mean, who who else jumps out at you? Maybe Seattle? Um. I, I see. Detroit, I maybe. Okay. Let's pull up Detroit and see. Because the now the question is: Is are you just looking for a pickback? I mean, if if I was the GM, yeah, I'd be looking for for a pick or a prospect, and the cap space to be able to do something else. Like maybe go get a forward and a demon with some jam. I wonder if like it wouldn't be enough to go get a a, a Middleton or somebody like that, but that yeah, because that's that. I'm looking at Edmonton right now, and and you could do Grizzlick and bring back a guy like Vincent Dearnay, and you know someone else who's not overly expensive from the forward group, you know, but to what end now you're just adding major league names yeah. you know, that, that don't help you. Like what's the point of adding, you know, Sam Gagner. If there isn't, no. there isn't any exactly like I, I, I can't imagine that a playoff team would be interested in Matt Grizzly. I I can't for the life of me even daydream it. Right. And by the way, let's look at the fact that Edmonton doesn't have a third rounder or a fourth rounder this year. They're not going to give you a second rounder this year, not for Matt Grizzly. No. And and so so now you're looking at a 2025 third round draft pick for Matt Grizzly. I'll keep him for that and I'll let him walk. Because because yeah. you know what? The last guy I did that to, one of the last guys I did that to. Worked out kind of well for me in Tory Krug. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'd like to have the pick, but I'm not going to wait a whole nother year to use it and have it be around later than it should be simply because I wanted to dump my seventh, my arguably my eighth defenseman. Yeah. I, I look at it like this, Chris. People that are waiting for a big trade are going to, as far as I'm concerned, are going to be disappointed. There, there's just no maneuverability with this roster. There's a and lot. The, the guys, the guys, the fans want to move. Uh, they want off the roster, like the Grizzlies or the Forbirds. The playoff teams have no interest in them. Or, you know, it's they're not make it or break it for them. And the teams that can afford to take them, what do they want them for? I will for you for you to attach something to it to make it worth my while. I will say this in the offseason, one of the teams that I was looking at as far as a a four board deal 
uh, I, I was looking at Nashville because they've already got Yossi and McDonough on the left. They go Barry Shen on the right. They've got Carrier, Fabro, and Lausanne on as their other defensemen. Lausanne obviously can play both sides, left or right, and then Carrier and Fabro are both on the right side. I don't see you getting an RFA like Dante Fabro, not for for Forbert, but at two point five million, Alexander Carrier would he would be a little bit of a downgrade from Forbert, but it would also save you a lot of money. No, it's CB 500K. Well, I mean, 500K right now for them is, is a good amount of money. <laughs> that doesn't even get them out of LTIR. No. Which is which is the goal here. All of those, I mean, you could look, I mean, you could look at adding something in and, and trying to go for Fabro. I'm not, I'm not saying, but he's also at 2.5. The advantage is, is that he's the RFA. Lausanne is the one who's two million bucks. But why would Nashville make that deal? You would have to throw something in for them to make the right. deal. Right. Obviously. Which is which is what what my point is through this whole thing is you're paying somebody to take. You're paying somebody to take your contract so you can make a move. And one, the Bruins don't have the assets. They don't. They well, they they do. They you could you no. Could, they they don't have the assets that they can afford to give up. I was gonna say you could pin Trevor Kuntar to Matt Grizzly and send him out as a pair. I don't want to. Why? Do I like Kuntar. Yeah, then the Bruins aren't even gonna. But this conversation is for fans. This is what it's going to take. You're paying just about every team in the NHL to take your contract. We're we're not getting Elias Lindholm. We're not getting Noah Hannafin. We're not getting Thomas Hurdle. It's just not happening. There's no money. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting at just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. You know, they said that um, that that Godier deal with um, with Anaheim that took months because 
they had to find right comps. Like you can't just sit there and be like, okay, this player and this player, because I know nothing about them. The teams know about these players. <laughs> yeah. Like they, that's what they pay know. scouts for. Right. And like it, it's it's kind of funny because I, I told you last show I was going to the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds game and I was scouting a, a couple of the guys there. Now, first off, Adam Godet got the call up for St. Louis, played pretty well in that game, but obviously showed why he's a four A guy kind of guy. But the last couple times I've gone to watch the Thunderbirds, they've played the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Mm-hmm. And both times, like, it's funny because I go to watch some people and all, both times I've been there, my eyes have been drawn to one player in particular. And he was on Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And I, I just, the way he kept my attention going to him was all in good things. And I looked at it and I went, I, there's something about him. Sure enough, I looked him up. He was a first round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 2019. Who was it? Sam Poulin. Oh, yeah. But no one, I guarantee you, no one, at least in Bruins market, has heard of that guy. Why would we? But you know what? I've watched him twice now, and I sit here and I go, you know what? I'd love him on my team. I'd love him in my organization. And so does Pittsburgh. I know they do. You know, and and there's a reason why they spend a first-round pick on the guy. Yeah. Honestly, you know who he reminded me a little bit of as far as the grit and kind of way he plays the game? It's Trent Frederick. Yeah, I can see a bit of that. With with a better scoring touch. Yeah. Yeah, with with, with a better scoring touch. He's what they wanted Frederick to be, basically. But Now, um, sorry to interrupt because I don't want to lose my train of thought. Go right ahead. You made a very excellent point that I'm sure you don't even know you made, okay? And that is when you got media guys tweeting out that Boston, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Montreal, Toronto, and Winnipeg have scouts in the building tonight (laughs) because we're getting close to trade deadline. I have to tell you, that these scouts, the professional scouts, the amateur scouts are spread all over, but these pro scouts are in buildings all the time. And they only tweet it out because it's getting close to trade deadline. And everybody gets all excited. It's like, oh, Boston scouting Philadelphia, Anaheim. I wonder who they're looking at. No, they're building their little black book. That's all they're doing. When you get the director of player personnel or you get the assistant general manager or you get the general manager there watching, that's when your ears should perk up. Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned that because when I went in, I go, I show my ID to get the little credential and all this other stuff. And they, they say, oh, we can walk you through this way or we can walk you through that way. And I was like, Let, let's go that way. It's past like the the player tunnels and all that stuff. It was just a little easier. And as I'm talking to the guy, as we're making our walk, he goes, yeah, he makes a comment about how last week he had to accommodate for Kyle Dubas. 
but they weren't even playing the Penguins that week. Yeah. I'm like, this. that's what you're talking about. When Kyle Dubas is in that room, that's a big deal. Yeah. But that I, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm, you know, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then you know what else it does? It gets some clicks. Well, There's scouts and, in the building. I sure as hell hope so. That's their job. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, do you do you know how many times I see Bob Wittick at an OHL game, Bruins OHL scout? And if I tweeted out how many times I saw him, people would be like, "Oh, who are the Bruins looking at? Who are?" No, it's his job. He's building his book up on the players. You know it who made, the Bruins are looking at? Everyone on the ice. Yeah, it may not have to do with this draft. It may come up three years down the road in trade talks, but that's when they start building books on players. Right. And like I said, it took two games for me to look at this kid and go, he's standing out to me for all the right reasons. And I wasn't even there to watch him. Yeah. And I'm not a professional. But I, it, it it's it's rewarding to be able to go, okay, I looked at him and I went, so there's something about this kid. Yeah, he's a first fucking round pick. Yeah. When when it's a little valid when, when you get good at it, Chris, and you go to a game like that, you'll be able to ignore that player and focus right. on the guys you went in to focus on. Right. It, it, he drew it was always a, just a couple of plays here and there and whatnot. And I was trying my best to ignore him because I wasn't even there to watch the Penguins. But each time he did something, I'm like, oh, oh, hey, it's him again. All yeah. right, you know, just breaking up a play in on the forecheck, in on the back check, whatever it is, you know, and, and and that's the difference because he he made himself stand out. Yeah. So, but you'll learn to ignore it in the future. I just thought it was a little validating that I then look him up and he was a first round pick. Yeah. Like, okay, good. At least I at least I'm looking at the right things. <laughs> so, it, but that's the kind of guy that again that's the equivalent of going in and seeing a guy like Trevor Kuntar right now in Providence going, this guy's good. I want to keep him." And then having someone else come to your organization and go, well, he's the guy that we're going to use to take Matt Grizzlick off your hands. Yeah. Uh, no, thanks. I want to keep him. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, I, I'm just, I, I'm prepared for nothing to happen. Maybe a small deal, but, for That's Boston, it. I'm with you. I, I do think there's going to be a couple of deals that that go down. I think there's going to be probably two or three team, two or three deals that are three team deals, because other other it what it's going to do is it's going to rile up the Bruins fan base of sitting there going, well, if other teams can do it, why can't we? It's not that we can't do it. It's that it doesn't make as much sense for us to do it. Right. And also, uh, I had someone asked me the other uh, a couple weeks ago about uh the the Bruins going after Corey Perry before he was available and my response was why and their answer their exact answer was so Toronto doesn't get him yeah <laughs> and, and I said but what what's the why for Boston so Toronto doesn't get him okay so you're going to you're going to sign a guy in fear of another team signing him Great way to run a hockey team. Why didn't you sign Phil Kessel six months ago then? 
Yeah. You, you can't do that. You have to have your plan and stick to your plan. Now, if a deal comes along that changes your plan, that's okay. And that's one of the things that, because Don Sweeney, what he's, what he has done. And, and I can't go back. I can't emphasize this part enough. He's got options. He's got options because we look at Grizzly and go, yeah, he's got to trade him. Well, you know what? What if someone picks up the phone and calls him and says, hey, we want to trade for Oscar Steen. We think he can help our bottom six. Right. You don't or have to pick up on Jacob that. Lauco. Or Jacob Lauco. Honestly, even now, Jesper Boquist. Yeah. So, you know, Johnny Beecher. We want to trade for Johnny Beecher. I, it, I probably wouldn't do the deal, but okay. Hey, you like Beecher. Well, Boquist can do the same things. We're willing to trade him. That's called negotiation. Yeah. And when you have the options, you can work the phones. I, I don't think anybody, I, what, what Don Sweeney has done is he's put himself in the position where I, I hate to use the word untouchable because as they say, if Gretzky can get moved, anybody can. Yep. But you don't, and I don't like the idea of having a sacred, a sacred cow, but you're not moving Pasternak, Martian, Coyle, Zaka. You're not moving McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo. You're not losing. You're not moving your goaltenders. But beyond that, anybody else? You or I wouldn't move Patra either, uh, just because of the long term play there. But beyond that, you can at least listen to offers on anybody else on this roster. Okay, so if not Grizzlick, let's go to the name that you didn't mention. The the I don't know what I want to call it. Uh, we won't call it anything. Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> Again, you have the option to listen to offers on Jake DeBrusque. Okay, so, but if if you're the Bruins and you're looking to do something and you know what the options are with Matt Grizzlick, there aren't a lot of them. You know what the options are with Derek Forber. There aren't a lot of them. Um, Jake DeBrusque makes more money. Mm-hmm. Also a UFA at the end of the year. Yep. Um, he falls in the same category. Very limited to no options there. However, <laughs> a contending team may look at him and say, we're willing to do a hockey trade if we're able to get Jake DeBrusque. Right. Especially playoff Jake. Exactly. Um, and there's a few teams that are in the playoff run and a playoff push right now that have had interest in him. I don't know. Edmonton, for instance. What's their cap number at? Oh, they don't have a lot, if any. Uh, um, deadline cap space, they're at about 668 grand. Yeah. So that would have to be a true money in, money out for both teams. Yep. And that's when you get to look at him and go, well, if you want Jake, we're not saying no, but you have to incentivize us to do it. Right. And and there's a little bit there because that's where you could look at him and say, you know, we want a guy like a um, – I mean, they're, even their – honestly, their left D is not that strong now that I look at it. They got Nurse, Ekholm, and Kulak, all who can play the left. I'd love Ekholm, though. Yeah, oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, Ekholm is is a piece there, uh, and, and of course they just re-upped Ryan Nugent Hopkins, so I don't see that deal coming to fruition anymore. No. So, like, uh, they're not going to trade Leon or Connor this year. <laughs> no. So you you really don't have a lot going there for them. Um, again, unless you want to turn it into something way more. And now you're giving up, you know, Allmark, DeBrusque, and something else, and something else, and you're saying, okay, give us Dreisaitl. Like, but that doesn't make sense for both teams. No one's trying to blow it up that much. No, no, especially Edmonton. That's not happening. Right. So that's, but that's the only way that they could take on a Jake DeBrusque at this point. Right. So it just doesn't make sense for them. Okay, so how about to the fans that are saying, let's trade Grizzlick and DeBrusque to Calgary for Lindholm? Why would Calgary do that? You're you're taking on two unrestricted free agents at the end of the season that may not even want to resign with you. For one that doesn't want to resign with you. For one that likely doesn't want to resign with you. They... they there's still time. As long as he's still within your organization, you can work with him. Yeah. But also, you think <laughs> the ones who are interested in Noah Hannafin? I don't think Hannafin's going anywhere. I don't think so. If he were going to be dealt, your package, whatever you send him, is, is beatable. Yeah. Other teams can beat that package. So why would they deal with you? You have to add something sweeter for it. And what they're going to do is they're going to say, we'll take those guys, but you got to send Poitra with them. Yeah. And at that point, I say no. Right. Because it's it, it's not worth it for Boston. Like, you got to – you got to – everyone talks about winners and losers in trades. You have to be willing to lose the trade in the long term or the short term. Right. And trading for – DeBrusque and Grizzly. If you're the Calgary Flames, that's a loss in the short term. And a loss in the long term. And a loss in the long term, unless you get another piece with them, a Matt Patra. Right. So if you're going to give up, if you're Boston side of that, the reason why you go out and get a Noah Hannafin and give up a Matt Patra for him is because you don't have a Brandon Carlo. Noah Hannafin is the fourth guy on that pecking order, and he's the missing piece. You win in the short term because you can make a cup run, potentially sign the defenseman. You lose in the long term because you gave up the center. That's why I would rather give up Lorai in a in a Hannafin deal. I agree, hundred percent. I'd rather but, give up Lorai, but I, I don't. I don't want to make that move because I still have to send money out. And I, yep. I don't want to send, I don't want to lose DeBrus, Grizzly, and Lori for just for Noah Hannafin. And and they're not gonna all of a sudden throw in Lindholm just because I want them to. Right. They're gonna be like, okay, give us Watherspoon too. Like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, these I don't know. I, I want I look at all these trade scenarios and trade suggestions and you know. People tagging me uh, on 
ex and saying, what do you think of this tree? You know, most of the time I don't even respond to them because I go, I think to myself, if you look at it logically, just read what you typed. How does it make sense and how does it work? Because what you're suggesting is taking on $5 million and you're only giving up $3 million. Where where are you fitting the other $2 million in? Right. How are you getting the other $2 million under <clears throat> for one? And for two, why is the why why is both teams saying yes? Like I, I love talking trades, but I, I you have to look at it and say, why is each team going to say yes? Because first exactly. and foremost, when when you're looking at your roster. You aren't looking at it going, who can I ship the hell out of here? Like, unless you're unless you're Kyle Dubas taking over the Pittsburgh Penguins and you're trying to rebuild the franchise, you don't look at it and go, who do I not want around anymore? Because you've drafted these guys. You already picked these guys and said, we want them in our organization. Yeah. What you're trying to do is you're trying to look at another organization's player and go, we want him. What will it take to get him, and are we willing to pay that? That's usually the way it works. And it's, I don't know. I always could keep going back to video games and easy mode have made trades easy in in people's minds, and they're just not. The problem is, is that there's only one trade meter in those games. And and it's just value of players. There needs to be another trade meter where it says, should they do it long-term and should they do it short-term? Yeah, well, I hope somebody comes up with one soon because, you know, I love trade deadline day itself. Oh, yeah. We'll be doing a live on that day, I'm sure. I just hate the two months beforehand. Right. I, I, like I said, I'm willing to talk trade. The problem is, is you, you have to, you have to make it make sense, and you have to also be willing to say that it doesn't make sense. Too many people will sit there and be like, "Oh, Lindholm and Hannafin for DeBrusque and Grizzlick, it makes sense for both sides." And then when you go, "No, it doesn't," they go, "Yes, it does." This, my reason is the only reason that makes sense. You got you to gotta open up your mind to the possibility that your deal might be a bad deal. Just plain sucks. And and it's okay. I've looked at some of the trades that people put out there. I I get it. Trade Grizzly for a bag of pucks. All right. Well, that would be future considerations. Why? Why does that make sense? And the number one answer, they they you get is for cap space to what end though cap space is only valuable if you use it it's not your money it's not my money it's jeremy jacobs money that he's paying out cap space is only valuable if you use it right so if you ship off matt grizzly for a bag of pucks what are you doing with the cap space that you got in return Oh, well, we're going to go out and get this other guy. Oh, so now you're going to pay more to bring in someone else. Right. And how does that balance the equation for for Jake DeBrus? Like, at one point I heard that the Bruins were supposedly connected to Vladimir Tarasenko. 
in Ottawa. And I'm like, why? What does he bring to the table for this team right now that you don't either already have or can't get from within? I'm stumped for an answer. So, yeah, why? Like, okay, who's he going to replace in the lineup? Oh, okay, well, let's throw him in Jake DeBrus spot. Okay, how are you clearing up the extra million, for one? Because Tarasenko's on a $5 million deal. Let's assume he wants to waive that no-trade clause to come here. Let's just put that on the side burner and say, let's assume he waives it to come here. Ottawa's in the division. You think they're going to do Jake DeBrusque straight up for Vladimir Tarasenko, an expiring asset for an expiring asset? No! No. Where does he fit? Who's going with? How are you clearing the other million bucks? Right. Are, are you hoping they take Milan Lucic off your books? Because he's not on your books right now. He's on LTIR. I I don't know, man. It's just the. I mean, I love the salary cap because it's brought competitive hockey. Um, it it's made you have to think the game more oh, for uh, sure. or the business side of it. And I, you know how much I enjoy that. The problem is, is people still act like there's no salary cap. Right. And, 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 and I think some of that also comes into play because of other leagues like the NFL, the yeah. National football league. I can sign a contract with you today. Tomorrow, we can come back to the table and go, you know what? I really didn't like that one. Let's do it again. Yeah. The one that we signed today is irrelevant, doesn't exist. It never happened. Like an Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah. Hockey contracts don't work like that. We put They pen used to. to. Right. But we put pen to paper. To, well, you also used to get Ilya Kovalchuk contracts, too. Yeah. So you put pen to paper today. That contract is solid. It's done. Yeah. It's done. Now it's just a matter of who's writing my check if I get hurt. If, you know, if I do this, if I do that, who's writing the check to me? Right. Because it's guaranteed money. Right. But it's also guaranteed employment. It's also, you know, like it. that's how the contracts work. What has screwed up so many teams is the flat cap from COVID. Yeah. And, and that's why one of the things that I try to do on my own and and we're going to wrap this up here cuz we got the Bruins game starting shortly. Um I always assume going from one year to another a flat cap. If I'm trying to project out a roster for next year, I'm going to work off of this year's cap as much as I can. Because um, because obviously next year we know there's going to be a bump. Yeah. We know. That. We're assuming it's going to be about 2 million about 4 million dollars. If I'm toying around on cap friendly, I'm giving myself 2 million bucks to work with. And then I want to see how over that number am I? Because if I'm over that number by, you know, $300,000, then fine. I, I, I'm probably okay. But I would rather undershoot the figure that I'm working with to try and make a better decision than overshoot the number and make a bad decision and fuck over the team that I have in the future. Right. The the only thing 
The only thing with that is a lot of the moves you can't make until July 1st. True. Okay. And by then you already know the cap number. Right. That's why I'm saying if I'm having the fun on my own, like just yeah. being in, in my on my computer, that's why I would do it that way. Yeah. And and I know these guys have way better projection numbers than I do with Cap Friendly. Like Cap Friendly is great. Puckpedia is great. They're not the league registration office. No. <laughs> so um, any any final thoughts as we look to wrap up here to to go get ready to watch the bees tonight? Just um, just that tonight is going to be a very interesting game. This, in a way, I kind of wish it was Edmonton instead of Winnipeg, but Winnipeg is a a damn good hockey team. So this is a good measuring stick for both sides. Really, oh, I, I'm expecting an excellent hockey game. I think you're going to see a lot better performance than you did when you when we went to Winnipeg. So yeah, it and and it's going to be interesting because we have the All Star break coming up and a bye week. Yep, with the bye week coming in there, so yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be some downtimes a little bit. You excited for All Star weekend? Yeah, I'm excited to see what the new skills competition is. Yeah. That, that you know, I, I know everybody hates the All-Star game. I go way back to when the Stanley Cup champion played the All-Stars. Oh, man. And I've always enjoyed the All-Star game. The way, the way I think too many people look at it and go, All-Star game, best on best. No. All-Star game, fun festival. Fuck around and have fun. Yes. If you go yep. into it with, this is supposed to be fun. A little bit of competition, sure. You put a little bit of money on the line. Let's face it. For most of these guys, a million bucks isn't all that much. Because even if they're no. making a hundred grand today, they're waiting for their big payday. The million bucks is great, but they know they're going to see eight times that in about three years. Yeah, but when when you take everything that comes off, like a million bucks is a million bucks free to them. There's no agent fees. There's no pension. There's no nothing. Right. Here's your million bucks. When you make a million bucks uh, as a salary and you pay your 5% agent fee, you pay your taxes, whatever province, state, um, your national taxes, in some places, municipal taxes, um, all the way down the line. That million bucks, you're not left with a lot. No. But, again, with that... <laughs> again, it's 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 going to be enough to make it so that the players try. Yeah. But the whole point is, is it's supposed to be fun. You don't want yeah. guys going out there hacking at knees, trying to trip people, trying to fuck them up in this in the fastest skater competition. Like, just go out, have fun, be better, and win, or just have fun. And some, a lot of these guys, if you listen to them talk before, and they go, "I'm just hoping to finish." Exactly. <laughs> you're exactly. Like, you're McDavid, you're gonna finish. So yeah, it's uh, I enjoy it. 
I'm looking forward to the new skills competition. So and we'll see what it's like for, for some for some days in there as well. So and you know what? As much as I hate to say it, it's Toronto, and they'll put on a good show. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. So anyway. Uh, that's going to be it for, for tonight. We do have the, the warm up lines for tonight's matchup. I'll read them off real quick. Uh, this was tweeted out by Scott McLaughlin about 10 minutes ago. You're going to see Marshan Coyle Pasternak, Van Riemsdyk, Zaka DeBrusque, Lauko, Geeky, Frederick, Heinen, Boquist, Patra. Defense is going to line up Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and Forbort, Watherspoon. And it looks like you will have Swayman in net tonight. You know, just like we talked last week, put either put Bussy or or, or lead us in Saturday against Montreal and right back to Swayman tonight. There you go. So with that, the last thing I've got to say is go bees. Go bees. <laughs>